So I want to read this to you in the Rome in uh, the tra- tra- Passion Translation. Help me, Jesus. Amen. And Scott was so sweet. Scott typed this up for me. So we are convinced. Somebody say, I am convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together for good. For we are His lovers who have been called to fulfill His design purpose. For He knew all about us before we were born and He destined us from the beginning to share the likeness of His Son. This means the Son is the oldest among the vast family of brothers and sisters who will become just like Him. Glory to God. I had somebody one time come to me and um, he, he was like, Miss Sandy, do you, do you believe in predestination? And I knew where he was coming from because he was trying to say, like, no, everybody can be saved. Well, read the Word. Because my Bible says that all that call on the name of Jesus will be saved. Amen? And this, is what I, this was my response to him. I said, I absolutely do believe in predestination. We are predestined to be conformed and made into the image of Christ. Amen? So let me tell you this morning, you are predestined for greatness. You are predestined to become like Jesus. And so when I, when I begin to pray through that, and I, the Lord's just like, there's nothing wasted. I, he kind of gave me the picture of a, of a quilt or a um, tapestry. Y'all know what a tapestry is? And the Lord began to show me that one thing out of that tapestry, if you pull a string out of that tapestry, it'll mess the whole picture up. And so God began to show me, He's like, I want them to know that there is nothing wasted in their life. That everything that they've ever encountered, everything they've ever gone through, it has not been wasted. And some of you have had some hard Things happen in your life. You've lost loved ones. You've, you've, you've gone through trials and tribulations that no one else even may, may even know that you've gone through. But God wants you to know this morning that those things that you went through, they're not wasted. They're part of the tapestry. They're part of the plan that God has for your life. And so as I began to read this, I, I, here's, the, here's the things that popped out at me. We are convinced of every detail of our lives is continually woven together. In a tapestry, all those threads and all those colors are woven together and out of that comes something beautiful. I mean, we, we, we've, we've seen tapestries and you just think, they're so intricate and they're so cool. But here's what I love about this. If we could see the tapestry of our life, It's literally that God is making us look like Him. That everything you go through, God is bringing you closer to Him. You're made in His image. You're created to bring Him honor. And it says, I love this word, for we are His lovers who have been called to fulfill His design purpose. Now that might mess some of y'all, we are His lovers. Yes, because Jesus is the lover of our soul. Amen? Come on, He, He desires intimacy with His children with his bride for he knew all about us before we were born can I just say right there God is not disappointed in you he knew all about you he knew your he he knew you would fail he knows he knows that when you're going to trip up but it's not wasted nothing 
wasted. I hope y'all will write that down on the top of your page. Nothing wasted. Nothing. He says, before we knew all about us, before we were born, and he destined us from the beginning to share the likeness of his son. I want to declare to you that everything that you've been through, everything you will go through, God is working together for your good. He's shaping you. He's molding you into what He desires for you to be. God is weaving together to fulfill His purpose in your life. Amen? Listen, our lives here on earth are a season of sanctification. But that because He tells us the purpose to fulfill His design purpose. What is His design purpose? To share the likeness of His Son. So that we are no longer our old dead self, but we were, we've been made new in Christ Jesus. Amen? Come on, we're new creations in Christ. Does that mean that we're perfect? No. That's why the Bible tells us that we have to work at our salvation with fear and trembling. It's a process. And I will say this. Sometimes we need to give ourselves some grace through the process. And sometimes we need to give others grace through the process. Come on, we are all being woven together because the purpose is to conform us. Those things that the enemy meant to destroy you. How, can, I, can y'all raise your hand and tell me this? How many of y'all have ever faced a trial, faced a tribulation, faced a situation that was hard? Anybody? Come on, nobody else but me? I must not be living right. Come on. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. We've all gone through this. The things that that the enemy meant to destroy you, God says, I'm going to use them for your good. That's what he told Joseph, and that's what Joseph told his brothers. Joseph said, listen, those things that you meant for evil for me, God had a bigger plan. Amen? That thing that the enemy meant for evil for you, God's got a bigger plan. And he's working it together, and nothing is wasted. I'm going to say that a lot this morning, because I want it to get down in your spirit that nothing in my life, is wasted when it's with God. Amen? So every, so every trial matters. They've made you stronger even when you didn't feel strong. How many of you can, can honestly say, okay, I went through some stuff, but I'm better for it? Wasn't fun. Would not want to go back and do it again. But I know that I'm stronger. I'm closer to God. Because through the trials, oftentimes, y'all, we have to cling to Him. We have to grab a hold of Jesus and not let go. Or I like to say it this way, I'd lose my sanity if I didn't have Jesus. And that's why that is my life first, because no matter what I'm facing, and it's, even on a difficult day, I'm like, God, I don't get it. I don't, I don't know what you're doing. But I know Romans 8, 28, God, you're working all this stuff today, today together for my good. If you don't have a life, life first, man, take Rome. You can, I'll share mine with you. Romans 8, 28 is, I'm telling you, it's the thing that gets me through when I feel like it's overwhelming. Anybody ever felt overwhelmed? Yeah. Even when we have those, oh man, if I could go back and do it all over again, I'd do it differently. Don't say that. Thank you, God, that you brought me through even when I did it messily. Even when it didn't look good, it wasn't pretty. I cried my eyeballs out when I should have had joy. Anybody can relate. I was angry when I should have had peace. 
God says, I'm working it out for your good, and it's not wasted. There's nothing wasted. God is a God of redemption. He's a God of restoration. He's a God of renewal. Amen. Do y'all know that this morning? Psalm 103, which is one of my favorite psalms. Miss Margaret, don't laugh at me because Miss Margaret says they're all your favorite. But they really are. It is one of my favorite. It talks about the benefits of God. But Psalm 103, 4 says this. He redeems your life from destruction. No matter what it is, God can redeem it. Amen? And I was thinking about this. Um, God has to show me pictures so that I can relate to it. So I was thinking about it, and I was thinking, it's just like as parents. How many of y'all are parents in here? How many of y'all have little ones? How many of y'all have teenagers? Just wait. Okay. Because teenagers, teenagers are, will show you a reflection of yourself. But I was thinking about this. When we raise our kids, how many of y'all ever just raise your kids thinking, I'm just going to be mean and harsh and I'm just not going to let them ever have their way or do anything. But that's, that sometimes that's how our kids feel. They don't ever let me do anything. Anybody ever felt like that? I can't ever do anything. You're so mean. Anybody ever get that from? You will in a teens. Just wait. It's coming. But as I was thinking about this, we as parents train our children, right? We, we take time and we, we discipline them, hopefully, because the Bible is very clear that we need to discipline our children. And we do those things, and it's hard. And this is what the Lord showed me. He's like, we're oftentimes in the spirit like our kids are in the natural. They don't get the big picture. They don't understand why you have the rules. They don't understand why you won't let them do things, why you didn't let them go to that party, why you didn't do those things. And they don't understand it. And so they get mad, and they get attitudes. Teens are master attituders. Man, they really are, at least mine, Especially my oldest child. She may be watching from St. Louis. Especially my Christina. How many of y'all know Christina? Yeah. Okay. So she, she can't talk back to me, so it's all good. But so this is what he began to show me. He's like, just like your kids don't understand your purpose and your plan and discipline in them and in shaping them to be women and men of God, they don't get why you, why you do what you do. He's like, sometimes y'all don't get what I'm trying to do. And I was like, ooh. And so the couple of times in the recent, you know, recent things when I'm like, the Lord's like, no, that's not what I called you to. And I'm learning to trust and, and, and not question every single motive because that's what teenagers do. They question every single motive. They push against you with fierce determination to do it their way, even though they can't see the big picture. And that's what our Heavenly Father has to do with us. So sometimes when we're going through bad things, it's not that that we're bad. It's just that God is conforming us. He's shaping us. And He's doing those things that, need, that we need to do. Because how many of you can say we go through seasons of shaping and trials and waiting? Anybody in here like to wait? I hate to wait. I go to a doctor's office. I'm like, oh my gosh, people learn how to schedule. Miss <laughs> Julie, sorry. <laughs> I, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm like, you're wasting my time. I, I am not a good waiter. Um, when I quit pastoring friendship, Jason's like, you need to take a season of rest. And I, so I did, and it's been almost a year. And so he said something to me at, at a meeting we were at, and I'm like, Jason, I've been resting for five months. I can't do it anymore. I cannot. I need to do something. I'm like, I don't want to wait. I don't want to rest anymore. 
But even in that, God was teaching me patience. <laughs> and so, and, and frustration. And, and how many of us have, had, have cried tears and just thought, oh, it's nothing wasted. Even in my season of waiting, I had to learn to trust God in a new way. I had to go, God, what are you doing in me? Because I feel like I'm supposed to be doing something and yet you won't let me do anything. <laughs> it wasn't Jason, it was God. Just as like, no, I need you to rest. I'm preparing you for something. And so finally, about three months into it, I was like, okay, God, this verse, I trust that you're working all things out together for my good because I'm called according to your purpose. I'm called according to you. So, and, and, but in those times, we question God. Why? Y'all remember the two-year-olds? Why? Why do butterflies fly? Why? 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 It's an endless thing of why. Anybody can <laughs> Because. How many times you go, because? God sometimes is when we're in the, in the middle of us asking why, He's going, because. Because I need you to trust me. Because I'm working some things out. Because what I'm doing right now, you'll see later. Amen? Nothing seems to make sense in those moments. And I love Philippians 4, verse 6. Because it's in those moments of uncertainty, those moments of trials, those moments when nothing makes sense that we have to do Philippians 4, Verse 6. I think you got that one, Scott, right? He joked with me about not adding it. <laughs> Scott, do you have Philippians 6? Oh, that's okay. That's all right. I'll read it to you. I may not have given you that one. Never mind. I may not have given it to him. What does it say? Y'all know it. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything. Pray. Give thanks. Why? Because the peace that surpasses understanding guards your heart and mind. And I'm sorry, Scott, I don't think I did put that one up there. And so that's when we have to grab a hold of and have to pray and grab a hold of Him and just trust and know what I'm going through, nothing's wasted. It's working all things. Oh, look there. Scott's a bomb.com. Check him out. <laughs> Be anxious for nothing, but in everything. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. And I, I, don't ever leave this one out, y'all. Right here. Don't ever leave thanksgiving out. We go to God and we want to tell Him what we need and, we, and, and He wants us to do that. But don't forget thanksgiving. God, thank you for what, what you're doing in my life. Thank you for what you've brought me through. Thank you for where you're taking me, God. Thank you that even in, even in the midst of all this, I don't know it, but I know you. Amen? It can feel like we're stuck in quicksand. And I don't know where quicksand. I mean, I haven't even heard of quicksand in so long. But I can remember growing up and it always was in the movies and like they were sinking in it. Y'all remember quicksand? So I was like, well, how do you get out of quicksand? And it was very interesting when I looked it up because I thought this is, this is how I feel sometimes. Like, Lord, I'm just stuck here and I can't go anywhere and I'm trying to struggle. Do you know if you struggle, you actually kind of solidify yourself in the quicksand? Quicksand, not quicksand, quick quicksand. But the minute you relax and trust and lean back, you can get out of it. That's the way when we're in those situations and we're not understanding it and we're feeling like we're stuck, God's saying, trust me. Trust me. 
Lean back into God and allow Him to get you out of it. Because see, when we're in those moments, we don't like, nobody likes the trial and tribulation. I don't personally, I mean, is there anybody who does? Because we need to talk afterwards. I want to see what your secret is. But in the middle of that, I love what James says. And actually, I'm going to pull it up in my other version too. James chapter 1, verse 2. Let me open my little Bible app here. Listen to what it says. It says, my brethren, count it all joy. Count it all joy? Why? Because he's working things out for my good and nothing's wasted. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect. You know what that word perfect means? Mature. Let it grow you up and complete, lacking nothing. We don't like the trials, but look what, look what comes out of it. We grow up and we, and we get to a place where we're not lacking anything. We're not lacking and we're not worrying about anything because we know God's got it. Let me read this to you in the Passion Translation. My fellow believers, when it seems as though you are facing nothing but difficulties. Can anybody relate? Say amen. Okay. See it as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that you can. Isn't that good? I told you all the Passion Translation will mess you up. It's good. For you know that when your faith is tested, it stirs up in you the power of endurance. Woo! Look what it does, y'all. And then as your endurance grows even stronger, it releases, it will release perfection or maturing into every part of your being until there is nothing missing and nothing lacking. God works it together for your good and there is nothing wasted. I want to tell y'all that this morning because I know sometimes we feel like we just endure this stuff and we're like, I don't know why. Because God is working some stuff together. Look at Jeremiah 18, 1 through 5. Because it's the story of the potter and the clay. Everybody familiar with this story? It says, The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and there he was making something at the wheel. In other words, he was, he was making his wheel. I mean, making his, uh, his pot. Go ahead to the next. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to make. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, and he tells him, like, I can do this. Just as this potter reshaped this, uh, this piece of clay, I can do that to Israel. But guess what, y'all? He can do it to us. But we have to be pliable in His hands. We have to trust that God is shaping me and making me more like Jesus through everything that we face. Everything. Matter of fact, Ephesians 2.10 tells us that we're His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. God is working on your life even when it doesn't feel good. Even when it's hard and you don't understand it, God is working and making you into the image of His Son. This is uh, one of the things that the Lord 
shared with me in that morning of prayer as I was praying about this message and just praying about what he wanted me to share when he gave me, you know, the fact that there's nothing wasted. This is what he said. He allows us to go through things so we can grow through them. Let me say it. I wrote it this way. He allows us to go through them so we can grow through them. So whatever you're going through right now, God is causing growth in your life. Whatever you've been through, God caused growth to happen in your life. You are a child of God as a believer and you are hidden in Christ Jesus. And this is sometimes, I think, a struggle for people when they're going through trials and they're, they're, they begin questioning their identity they, they, of who they are in Christ. Have I, have I done wrong? Have I failed God? And, and condemnation will come. Well, where does condemnation come from? From who? From the devil. He loves to make you feel like you have messed up so far. God can't fix you now. Let me tell you right now, there's no depth that you can go to that God can't pull you out of it because He is still the God of redemption. Amen? So when you get to that place, you need to remind Him, troubles, trials, and tribulations don't change my identity. They just confirm it. When we're going through those things, and, 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 and people, people around you will say, well, if she was holier, if she lived right, if they did right, they wouldn't be going through this. Ignore it. That's not your identity. My identity, I'm hidden in Christ Jesus. So when I mess up, I still have the blood of Jesus over me. Amen? Come on, nothing wasted. Because sometimes it's not even the devil. Sometimes it's just our flesh. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes we go through some stuff and we get aggravated and we get mad only, only because we're not submitted to the Holy Spirit. And so then we're all like, ah! And then we get under condemnation. Well, look at there. You didn't do that very good. That's the enemy. That's the enemy telling you, trying to, trying to steal your identity in Christ. But see, I know this. I know I can run to the cross. I know I can say, oh God, I completely blew that. Fix me. <laughs> the Bible says in, in uh, I think it's Isaiah, it says, whom the Lord loves, he corrects. He loves me a lot. He loves you a lot. That's one of those things I remind myself. But when we come to a place of surrender, see, we allow God to work in our lives, even through the mess. He takes you and He pulls you out of the dirt. He cleans you off. He sets you back up on the solid ground and you keep walking. You keep running toward what God has for you. Why? Because He's working all things out together for your good, even your screw-ups. Isn't that good news? Somebody ought to go, glory, come on. <laughs> even the things that seem to be lost, it's working for your good. I was thinking about John 15 in the story, and I, didn't, I don't think I put this one on there, Scott, and it's okay, that God is the master pruner. How many of y'all ever went by a farm and thought, oh, wow, that corn just grew up so beautifully by itself? Somebody planted it. But you think, man, that farmer knows what he's doing. Look at those fields. Man, those are, that's beautiful. That's a beautiful garden. So, see, when we grow in the Lord, we don't get glory for it. Someone looks at us and goes, that fruit right there, man, the Holy Spirit's done some work in them. And I was thinking about it because God has to prune us sometimes for us to grow and bear more fruit. Y'all know the story of the, 
you know, Jesus, I am the vine, you are the branches, my father's the vineyard keeper, you know the story, I'm not going to read it to you. But sometimes even those things in our lives that we don't understand and, and you know, people, people hurt us and they walk away from us. Can I just say sometimes that's God going snip, snip, snip. I'm pruning things out of your life because I'm wanting you to bear more fruit for me. I'm working things out and out in your life so that you can be made in, in the, my son's image. You can, when people look at you, they see Jesus. Oh, that's my greatest desire is that when people look at my life, they don't see my imperfections. They see the grace of God on my life. Come on. Not me, but him. Not my glory, but his glory. Not my imperfections, but his perfection. Maybe, maybe it was that job that you didn't get or the job you lost or the promotion you didn't get and, and you're thinking, but God, I prayed about it and I asked for it and God's going, snip, snip, I got something better. Why? Romans 8, 28, because he's working all things out together for your good. You know, maybe it's a marriage that went kaput. You know, the, the reality of it sometimes is marriage gets ugly. It shouldn't. But you can't always, you can't always uh, have your way in that because it involves two people. And then people think, well, I've, I've messed up now. God can never use me. God will use that. God, God will raise up a ministry out of that. Why? Because nothing is wasted. Nothing's wasted. Amen? Are are, is, this, is this ministering to your spirit? I'm hoping that it's getting down in your spirit going, everything I've ever encountered in my life, God, I see it now. You're using it to draw me closer to you, to make me look more like Jesus. And, I'm, and, and maybe some of you this morning are breaking free from a stronghold of, of condemnation. Amen? Whew. Job understood this probably better than anybody. If you've never read the book of Job, oh my goodness, it's 42 chapters of amazingness. <laughs> Open it up and read it. Because Job 1, I want to tell you what God says about Job. And then I'm going to tell you what happens to Job. Job chapter 1. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man was blameless and upright. And the one who feared God and shunned evil. He was a righteous man. Man, his heart. He, he, he was, it says he was blameless. I can't even claim that. I'm not blameless. But Job was. Job had a heart for God. And if you don't know the story, the enemy comes and he's trying to find it. And God says to, Job, God says to the enemy, have you considered my servant Job? I, when I was like, Lord, please don't send the enemy. Please don't say, have you considered my servant Sandy? Because I don't want to. I don't know. I want to go through this trial that Job does. For one, I don't think I'd make it past chapter one. But Job does. And let me, let me say this. Because we look at people's lives and, and it seems to be falling apart. And sometimes we, if we're honest, we'll say, what, is, what did they do? <laughs> but see, God looked at Job and he knew Job's heart. And he said, have you considered him? <laughs> Go ahead, devil. Bring all you got. Because he's not going to curse me and he's going to be fine. But through the story of Job, Job lost his children. Job lost his property. He lost his health. 
I mean, this man is in the pit of despair. Anybody ever been in the pit of despair? Then his friends start to question his integrity. I always read Job and go, oh, Lord, with friends like that, you don't need enemies. Read it for yourself. I'm telling you, be like, oh, my gosh, like, kick a man while he's down. That's what they do. <laughs> if you've read the story of Job, you know, they just kind of kick Job when he's down. They tell him that, listen, you're sinful. You better repent of some sin. You got sin in your life. Please don't do that to people when they're hurting. Let the Lord deal with the sin. You just love them. Whew. God is punishing him because, you know, because he's done something wrong. He's unrighteous. What did God say about him? He was blameless and upright and one who feared God and shunned evil. It wasn't anything Job did. Y'all understand that? Sometimes the trials and things that we go through are not because we've done something bad. It's because the enemy is after the, the purpose that God has for your life. He's after the calling that's on your life. And then we get in that pit of despair and people kick us when we're down. And we just think, I want to give up. And God is saying, you cannot give up. Nothing is wasted. Not even this trial. Nothing was wasted in Job's life. I want you to see that. Nothing was wasted. Because I love it. Halfway through the thing, because in, in chapter 19, verse 25, in the midst of all the heartache and the pain, and his wife even, by the way, says, won't you just curse God and die? <laughs> Baby, I'm not going to tell you that. So... <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> hey, never thought about that. No, I'm <laughs> heavily insured. Woo, no. So, but this is what he says. Halfway through it, and through the suffering, <laughs> these are the words of Job. And this should be our attitude. I know that my Redeemer lives and I will see God. He says, I know what I'm going through. He was going through living hell, people. But Job says, I know my Redeemer lives. Glory to God. When I'm going through stuff, that's why I can quote uh, Romans 8, 28 when I'm going through. Why? Because I know my Redeemer lives. He has not abdicated the throne. He is still on it. He is still on the throne of God. He is still working out things in my life for, the, for my good so that I can honor and bring glory to God. It's not for my honor, it's for His. Whew. Can we grab a hold of that this morning? Job didn't understand the water. Why? But he knew God. See, we can look, we got 2020 vision because we have the story. Job lived it. He didn't understand. And he begins to question, like, God, what, what, why did you even cause me to be born? Like, what, 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 like, he knew, like, I don't know what's going on. And Job just began to cry out to God. And he kind of questions God on a, on a couple things. He never cursed God, but he did question God. And my favorite chapter is when God comes down and he answers Job. And he starts, he said, who is this that darkens counsel against God? <laughs> you know what, you know, y'all, I love Job's response. Once I've spoken, twice I'm going to shut up now. <laughs> Y'all ever feel like that? You're like, okay, God. Whew, I'm just going to shut up. I'm just not even going to talk. I don't get it. And so there's like two or three chapters right there toward the end of, jo uh, end of Job where him and God are having this conversation. And, and, and it, God says things like, where were you 
when the foundation of the earth was laid. Not there. <laughs> and then he says things like, who, who tamed the Leviathan? Who did all these things? And, it, and, and Job's just like, I got nothing to say. <laughs> ah, when we come to the end of ourselves and we have to trust God, and we can declare what Romans 8 says. And this is, this is what I love about this. Look at Job 42, uh, verse 1. Uh, Job starts to, out, and he begins to declare, he says, he says this, this of God. I know that you can do everything and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. And I may have given you the wrong verse, God, don't worry about it. I know that you can do everything and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. That's why we can have the confidence to live out Romans 8.28. God, you can do everything. Mary, Mary declared all things are possible with God. All things. Amen. Matter of fact, let's just pray that. Say, Father. Come on, y'all say it with me. Father, I know. Do you know? Say, I know. I know that you can do everything. Come on. Thank you. I got somebody believing it over here. And that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. Come on, we got to get that down in our spirit, man, right there. But all right, go to, go to verse 10 through 17, because I'm going to show you the story of Job's redemption where nothing was wasted. Oh, look at there. <laughs> Thank you, Scott. <laughs> Scott really is the bomb.com. <laughs> and the Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. Indeed, the Lord gave him twice as much as he had before. Let's go to the next verse. Then all his brothers, all his sisters, and all those who had been his acquaintances before came to him and, and ate food with him in his house. And they consoled him and comforted him for all the adversity that the Lord had brought upon him. This is something that I, I talk, was talking to somebody one time and they, they pointed out to me. God restored everything to Job doublefold. Job still grieved for his kids that he lost. So sometimes, y'all, we have scars. Sometimes we have wounds that are deep that we have to grieve through and process through. But God restored to him. Watch what happens. It says, each one gave him a piece of silver and each a ring of gold. Next verse. Now the, la the, now the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. For he had 14,000 sheep. 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 female donkeys. He also had seven sons and three daughters. Exponential blessing, amen? All right, go to the next one. And he called the name of the, of the first Jemimiah, and these have meanings and I didn't go, go there. The name of the second, Keziah, and the name of the third, Karen Hapuk, I guess. I don't know. Y'all may pronounce it different. In all the land were found no women so beautiful as the daughters of Job, and their father gave them an inheritance among their brethren. Last verse. After this, Job lived 140 years and saw his children and his grandchildren for four generations. So Job died old and full of days. God is a God of redemption. And God works things out together 
for our good. What the enemy thought he had taken from Job and that he had destroyed Job, God says, I'm not even going to just restore it. I'm going to restore it double. And when we give our lives over to the Lord, when we submit to Him and we realize, God, I'm trusting you in everything that we do, everything, things I don't understand, things that hurt, things that wound, life is hard, y'all. It is not simple sometimes. But I always say this, I don't know how people without Jesus do it because He is my strength. He is my everything. And without Him, I could not make it through a day. Amen? Anybody else feel that way? Like, I know. God is using every detail of your life, every pain, every heartache, every broken trust, everything. He's using it to conform you into His, inner, into his image. He loves you and I so, so much. And I really do believe this. I believe we cannot get a revelation of God's purpose for our life until we understand His love for us. God's love is unconditional. You can't earn it. You know, we do a song. Um, it's, it's by Elevation. Uh, no, it's not by Elevation Worship. It's by that, the, the group, Maverick City. And every time I sing it, I will cry because it says, I've never been more loved than I am right now. Right where you are right now, you'll never be more loved. When you mess up tomorrow, you'll never be more loved. Why? Because God's love does not change with our stupidity. <laughs> God's love does not change when we falter and when we fail. God's love is perfect and it's holy, and He loves you with an everlasting love. And if you understand that, then Romans 8.28 will come alive in you. God, I can trust you because I know you love me, and I cannot tell you how many times I've said to God, I know I've blown it, but God, I know that your love for me is greater than anything I have done, greater than anything I could face. Why? Because He loved me enough that He sent Jesus to die for me and to pay the penalty of my sin? Why? So that He could work all things out together in my life and nothing about my life is wasted. Nothing. Nothing. No matter how bad I screwed something up, it is not wasted. God can redeem it and use it in our lives. And I, I just feel so, like this is thing, I'm like, Lord, please let their hearts get it this morning. What you've gone through in your life is not wasted. God still loves you. God still has a plan for you. You cannot run it. You cannot screw it up so much that God cannot redeem it. I'm just here to tell you, if y'all could feel what was in my heart, I believe you feel the Father's heart this morning because God is saying to you, I see you. I know you. I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They're plans to do you good and not harm. Can y'all tell how much I'm, I want you to get this this morning? Your life. He's working it out together for our good, y'all. I know if you know you're in the South and you say, y'all, but come on. Oh my gosh, we live in a fallen world. And Jesus said, listen, in this life, you will have trials and tribulations. But what else did he say? Anybody can tell me? Y'all know this. I know you do. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Woo! 
Come on, y'all. He's overcome the world. Go to Romans 8, 28 through 39. This, I'm telling y'all, Romans 8 is like one of my favorite chapters in the it is, Miss y'all, see, y'all, some of y'all laughing, but y'all don't know, but when I used to teach women's Bible study here, I'd get all excited, and I'd be like, this is my favorite verse, and Miss Margaret one night went, they're all your favorite verses. I said, they are, but this is my life verse. This is the verse that I hang my hat on. This in Philippians 4, and Peter, where he says, cast all your cares. There's a lot of them. Anyway, <laughs> we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. Remember, that's us. For whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. Let's keep going. Moreover, whom He predestined, these He also called. And whom He called, these He also justified. You have been justified by the blood of Jesus, not by works. Mm-mm. These He also, what? Glorified. Why? Because we're working and becoming like Christ. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Somebody needs to say, if God is for me, who can be against me? Come on, next verse. He who did not spare His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all, how shall He not with Him also freely give us all things? This is something I want to point out right here. See, this word doesn't say what. It says who. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Next verse. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who? There's that who again. He's not saying what. So there's a who behind the evil. Amen? His name is Satan. Just so we're clear on this, because sometimes we think, we read that and I think we think, what shall separate us from? No, it's not. It's not a what, it's a who. Okay? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And then he starts listing things. Interestingly enough, who's usually at the, at the root of them? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, all the tribulation, all the, all the stuff we just read, all those things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am persuaded. Somebody say, I am persuaded. That neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers. These right here, this is talking about demonic spirits in the heavenly realm. All Satan's little demons. Nor things present, nor things to come. Nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. God is using everything that you have gone through, everything you will go through, and He's working it for your good. And nothing is wasted. Amen? Would you stand to your feet this morning? I just want to pray over you.
And if, you ha- or if you're going through some things this morning and you want prayer, I will pray with you one-on-one. I, I, love, I love to pray for people. Amen. But Father God, I pray over every person in this room that God, that, that you've spoken this not just to their head, but Father, to their heart. God, that, that it's gotten down in their spirit that as they leave out of this place, Lord, that your word would not return void. God, it will accomplish every single thing that you have sent it forth to do. Lord, that your sons and daughters will know, God, that you are working in their lives, that you're doing things in their lives, that even though they don't understand, it's not wasted. Lord, that you're, you're working it all out for their good because you love them, because they're called according to your purpose, God. And I just pray over them right now, Lord. Holy Spirit, minister to those deep places in their hearts, God, where they haven't understood and they've questioned and, and maybe it's made them question themselves or maybe it's even made them question you, God. But today, Lord, that you've confirmed, God, that you are still in control, that you have good things for them, that you have good plans for their lives. Hallelujah. Lord, I just speak the name of Jesus over them this morning. I declare your power. I declare your authority. I declare your blessing over them, Father. I declare your peace over them. I speak life over them. And God, I just speak for clarity of vision in their lives, God, that they would begin to see your hand at work in their lives today. In Jesus' name. If you receive that this morning, say amen. Amen. If you need prayer, I just invite you to come and let me pray for you or um, just get in agreement with you. But if not, I just, I pray that as you go out this week that you are so mindful of God, that you're so mindful of His presence, so aware that He is with you and that God is working things, that those things that even when you don't, this is literally what I do sometimes, y'all. I will sit in the middle of my bed or in, in the middle of my floor sometimes when I'm going through something and I just say, God, I, I just know. I don't know how, but I know. And sometimes I don't even have to tell the verse because he knows. <laughs> and I'm like, you're working it out. You're working it out for me. Amen? So do that. Just grab a hold of Jesus today and trust that what he's doing in your life, there's a plan behind it. Amen? Y'all go and have a blessed week. Enjoy this amazing fall weather that we're having and be blessed in the Lord. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you and lift up his countenance.